Be with each breath just as it presents itself. Long or short, rough or smooth, calm or agitated. It's not a breathing exercise, it's a training in awareness. Settle into the feeling of each breath rather than the watching of it. Feeling the sensations of the air at the nostrils, feeling the movement in the chest or abdomen. Abide in that meta quality in relationship to the breath as well. There's no need to struggle at all. Any old breath will do. It's just feeling it as it comes and goes. opening to the different sensations you might feel in the body, particularly when they call the attention away from the breath. Feel the sensation and be aware of what happens to it. Does it get stronger? Does it get weaker? Does it stay the same? Does it shift position? Simply be aware of its behavior. And then again return to your primary object, whether it's the breath or the sitting and touching.
you can rest in the simple knowing of what it is that's arising moment to moment. Knowing each breath, knowing sensation, knowing sound. And train the mind in the awareness of the mind, of different mental objects. Might be different emotions, the particular hindrances, desire or aversion, sleepiness, agitation, doubt, fear, Notice the pleasant emotions of calm, of peace, of joy, interest. They too are arising mental states. Simply be aware of them, know them. You might note them as a skillful means. And come back to the body, come back to the breath as your anchor. Give some particular attention as well to the arising of thought in the mind. Thoughts or images, words or pictures. They're very slippery. They slide in and carry us away, usually before we're quite aware that they've come. As soon as you're aware that there's a thought or a picture, Make a soft note of acknowledgement, thinking, seeing. And notice what happens to that thought or picture in the moment of awareness. Does it continue? Does it disappear? If there are repetitive patterns of thoughts, you might give a specific note, family tape, work tape, relationship tape. Keep in mind, as Munindraji used to say, that the thought of your mother is not your mother. It's a thought. We want to see each phenomena for what it is, not get lost in our conceptual proliferation.
you can abide in the same metta feeling towards thoughts and images as well. So there's not a struggle, there's not a fight. It's simply to be aware. If things get too confusing, you're not sure what to be with, you feel like you're losing some balance, simply come back to the body, come back to the breath, sit and know you're sitting. The question was <coughs> that when she sits in the room and the clothes dryer is on, uh, both the sound and the vibration, the mind seems to glom on it, and it's very hard to put it into the background. I would keep it in the foreground. Basically, it's waiting until the end of the cycle. <laughs> that, that might be the great enlightenment. <laughs> uh, one of the hardest lessons to learn in practice, and we get many tests in this, and we flunk most of them, is that from the perspective of the practice, it really doesn't matter what the object is. Because we're not practicing for any particular experience. What we're practicing is the mind that's not clinging. The mind cannot cling to anything. You know, in one of my favorite lines, it doesn't matter to what you don't cling. And even though it's so simple, and you know, we know this in terms of our Dharma understanding, the mind is so keyed to the realm of experience and what we want and what we don't want, and this should be better and this should not. That's why I think Steve's emphasis, you know, on resting simply in the knowing of whatever is arising. The nature of the knowing is the same, whether it's the vibration of the dryer or it's the feeling of the breath, or a sound, or the movement in the walking. It's the same nature of awareness that is knowing it all. The suffering is when we cling, in one way or another, clinging through aversion or clinging through grasping, and the freedom is in the not clinging. So it doesn't really matter, you know, if if that's what the experience is. Fine, but you may need to go through not may need, undoubtedly will need, (laughs) to go through a process where the mind finally does let go of thinking experience should be one way or another. I mean, you've heard, most of you have been here before, you know, the many stories we tell about the endless varieties of 
loud and disturbing noises in practice in Asia. You know, we're just like all day. You know? And just going through all the reactions and the wanting it to be different and the aversion and the aversion to the aversion and all of it until finally the mind just surrenders. And then it's just sound or it's just vibration. So, <laughs> Another favorite Goldsteinism. <laughs> if it's not one thing, it's another. It's always a flow of objects. So the continuity is there regardless. What it is that's arising really doesn't matter. Remember, we're practicing the mind that is not clinging. We're practicing that mirror-like awareness that's simply knowing this, this, this. And what it knows can be anything. So just keep in mind as best you can where the freedom lies. The freedom is not in the object. It's in how we're relating. But... (laughs) (laughs) What's so interesting is that your experience is all of our experience. I mean, I'm sure that resonated with, with everybody. This is what we all go through, you know, in finally learning that it's about non-grasping. I'm going to talk more tonight about that as well. Um, You know, insight happens on many levels, and concentration takes many forms. You need some concentration in a moment to actually be steady and aware of what's happening. If you're distracted, there's not going to be insight. Because the opposite of of one-pointedness is distractedness. When we're distracted, we're lost. We don't know what's going on. So then it's a question of uh, the steadiness of the concentration, the duration of of the undistractedness. But in any moment of undistractedness, the insight reveals itself because we're undistracted, because we actually are seeing things for what they are. Uh, so it's both. You know, it's both what's possible in a moment and also what's possible as it gets stabilized. But I'll, I'll going to be talking more about it. In fact, I'm going to be giving the same talk that Steve gave. Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> Upandita once gave when one of his visits here, a long retreat, you know, it was a two or three month retreat. I don't know how many talks he gave on the syllable pa in Satipatthana. He may have gave, I, don't, I don't remember exactly, but it might have been ten talks on pa. So I think we're going to try to <laughs> match the record. Well, the question was about whether the Buddha said anything particular about which sitting position best supports practice. I mean, in the sutta, uh, he does say, you know, sit down, cross-legged, keep your back erect, bring mindfulness in front of you, and proceed. Of course, that was in a culture and as it still is in Asia in many places where people grow up sitting cross-legged, so they kind of have a little advantage that way. (laughs) I think mostly uh, the idea is to have the back straight so that the breathing can be as effortless and relaxed as possible, you know, where the body can be erect but not stiff. I've set for a variety of reasons, many times, many hours in a chair. You know, and my experience is that uh, if one is sitting still, you know, with the back reasonably straight, uh, it's fine. Well. <laughs> if the mind's wandering a lot because it's too comfortable, some pain can be a great object. It can. I mean, it's, your mind doesn't wander a lot, you know, when there's, when there's strong pain or discomfort in the body. And it's kind of the analogous in, in a certain way to the clothes dryer. You know, something unpleasant that's, that's really pulling our attention it gives us a chance to see how is our mind relating to that. It's another, another little aphorism to keep in mind. If freedom is dependent on conditions, it's not freedom. Okay, so really, when we're talking about freedom of mind, awakening of mind, you know, the possibility of what the Buddha was pointing to, it was an openness of mind, a freedom of mind that was not dependent on conditions being a certain way. But for most of us, it's like we come to, you know, we have a, we have a, a zone in which we're okay, we can be accepting, we're comfortable with it, it's fine, we can really be with things. And then right at the edges of that zone, whether it's physical pain or emotion or whatever, whatever our particular edge is, that's an interesting place to work. You know, because right there we see, okay, is there attachment? Is there pulling back? You know, do we tense? 
can we learn to relax at that edge as well? And, and my imagination of the Buddha's mind is a mind without edges. You know, this is, so just think of the fearlessness, the total fearlessness of what that kind of mind would be like. There's no edge. Anything is okay. So I just find it inspiring in a way to find myself at an edge. Not that it's always easy and not that it's always possible to stay right there. Sometimes we do need to pull back. But it can be really inspiring to find ourselves at the edge where it's not comfortable, where it's not easy to be accepting of what's happening. But to think of it in terms of Okay, I'm practicing working towards the Buddha mind. <laughs> you know, I'm okay, this is the edge, can I relax here? So it gets a little bigger. This is the edge, can I relax here? It gets a little bigger. But it's all it's all doing it with that quality of interest and engagement, not forcing and not struggling. You know, really out of a willingness just to explore. And when it gets too much. You know, because it can get too much. So then we pull back. We come to a place of greater ease, greater comfort. You know, restabilize. That's part of the process as well. Okay, last question. Yeah, basically it's everything. Everything except what he referred to as Nibbana, or the unconditioned. But everything in our experience, everything that's arising in our experience in the world, is conditions, meaning that it arises out of causes. And everything is arising out of conditions. You know, it's... You know, you see cloud formations in the sky. That cloud comes together because certain conditions have come together. The conditions change, the cloud disappears. So that's a conditioned phenomenon. Well, everything in our mind and our body in the world is like that. Coming together out of conditions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.